Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Out there is Paul Mosenson. Welcome to the podcast, Fix to Convince Marketing Optimization. Hope everybody's doing well today. Today we have an interesting guest. Now I say that every week, don't I? An interesting guest. Well, they're all interesting. That's why I do them. And I hope you guys find this one interesting too, especially if you're involved with, um, you know, content curation and staying in front of prospects with really good messaging and thoughtful articles. And uh, that's what content curation is. It's not just marketing, it's for sales too. And we're going to talk about that. Um, the content curation platform called Up Content. And with me today is the um, founder of Up Content, which is a social media content sharing tool, Scott. Hey, Paul. Rogerson. I always have trouble pronouncing that. But even though my name is Mosenson, that should be easy to pronounce. But anyway, hey, how you doing, Scott? Thanks I'm for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. Good to talk to you. Sure, sure. So let's know a little more about Scott before we get started here. Scott is the CEO, like we mentioned, of uh, UpContent, upcontent.com, a content curation platform leveraged by marketing, sales, and communications teams to service and triage trustworthy articles that measurably increase engagement, stimulate action across internal and external digital channels. Prior to founding up content, Scott ran a marketing agency and raised a, and ran a middle market private equity fund. Oh, okay. And he spent five years in consulting, assisting nonprofit and for-profit organizations to build successful strategies and improve operations. And you're a graduate of Duquesne University. Oh, I know where that is. Um, with an How MBA from uh, Carnegie Mellon. So, um, well, that's your intro, and now let's get to the meat of the conversation. (laughs) So, um, up content, content curation, content management, um, what exactly is that in a nutshell for the C-level people and executives that are listening? Yeah, so our our focus, as you mentioned, certainly helping marketing, helping sales, and more and more helping HR uh, to help those departments be a resource for both the external audiences that they're wanting to talk to, but also internal, seeing a lot in the learning and development and mentorship programs as well. In all cases, we're focusing on helping those teams more easily find third-party articles, you know, those that are written by outside publishers about the topic areas that their audiences are interested in and sharing that with them. You know, it sounds pretty basic, but in a lot of cases, that's a huge time drain on organizations. And so in most cases, they just don't do it. Uh, unfortunately, because sharing those third-party relevant, engaging, and informative articles will massively stimulate not only the engagement with your individual employees uh, in their digital relationships that they're looking to build online, but also significantly drive the conversion rates of your owned marketing initiatives, your own content, your own webinars, your own podcasts, for example, uh, by giving them an understanding of context and a reason to want to come in and read that information on your site. Whereas just continuing to post that you have a blog isn't necessarily the same amount of stimulus that you'd want to create. No, I hear you. I mean, it's, you know, you're sharing content for a reason, right? right. And 
it's, it's kind of like it's company branding, but it's also personal branding. Exactly. And that's so much more, I mean, ever more important today, right? Even than six months ago, uh, because we don't have the luxury of those in-person conversations anymore, at least not as often as we used to. So continuing to remind our networks of who we are and what we're all about, as you said, not only reflects well on the company that I work with, but also on myself. And I can see that then and the support that I'm getting to do that as a service that my company is providing to me, particularly in a time where retention may end up getting more difficult now that my options to work for companies is international. And I don't have to worry about coming into the office every day. Right, right. The, the, the thrust of any kind of social media um, strategy is content sharing, of course. Uh, what do you think is wrong with content curation now and, and with social media today? And, and what problems are you solving? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the number one thing that you'll hear from a lot of individuals who aren't overly enthused with social media is just that it's really noisy, right? It's, it's hard to find what you want to be reading. It's that eternal newsfeed and, and working out your thumb on your phone. And in a lot of cases, I think the use of third-party content, unfortunately, is still pigeonholed into this kind of filler material, right? I just need to find something to post on Tuesday because my boss told me I need to post two things every day and I only have one thing today. So I'm going to go find something and post it out there. That's not content curation. That's filling up a slot in your posting calendar. Um, or I'm going to go and subscribe to a program that's just going to pump my feed full of stuff that they pick because I picked a general category. And not only am I going to then be sharing it, but you can easily see, right, the 30 other people who are also subscribing to that service and are sharing the exact same thing. Also not content curation. So I think the biggest challenge with content curation today uh, is that it gets muddled with aggregation or just automation of posting. And our focus is to remove the time that is being invested in looking for that article and also remove the time that's being invested in actually scheduling that article and delivering that article to your audience and really emphasizing to our, our customers and their teams that time should be invested in selecting the best out of what is found for you and then adding your personal thoughts or your company thoughts. Really, it sounds like more time than it is. We're talking about 15, maybe 20 minutes a week in doing that in order to truly provide that valuable service to your followers, rather than just filling up their feed with stuff that they're not gonna be interested in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you don't wanna share for sharing sake, right? Exactly. It, it is a strategy because at the end of the day, again, we mentioned, I used to call like LinkedIn content curation for myself. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, I call it like human retargeting, yeah. right? Whether they read it or not, they remind yourself, oh, he's sharing this, he knows this. It's like, right. it's, it's like an implied thought leadership, even though you didn't write the article. That's exactly right. Yeah, you kind of, birds of a feather, right? If, if I'm sharing great stuff, that must mean I'm re at least reading great stuff, ideally, which means maybe I know some great stuff too. And so you move down that whole logic flow uh, to build that relationship and build that understanding of who that person is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's my, my prospects and my connections um, this is valuable to them and um, somebody else wrote it, but you know, it's kind of like the old agency days. We would like never share stuff back yeah. then. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, like our stuff, right? Don't share it. Now it's like, right. Oh, you wrote it. Let's share it because yeah. yes. 
Yeah. And that's still, you know, I think that's still an evolving. I mean, I think a couple yeah. of years ago, it was 100%, right? If I didn't write it, I'm not sharing it. This is my forum for broadcasting my own content only. And I think we're starting to see some of those more mature agencies, those that are able to uh, include unique strategies, really seeing curated content as part of that strategy. And you'll see the results, right? Uh, if you have in your posting mix, 50 to 75% is kind of the recommended bracket being curated, you know, linking out to third-party articles. When you do that, your engagement rate goes up by more than twofold. And more importantly, the conversion rate on your original pieces goes up by more than twofold because of exactly what you're saying, Paul. You're providing that context and that reason for engaging so that when I see your name pop up again, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the group or the person who shares really great stuff. I'd like to read what they have to say too. And you're tying those things together. Uh, we hope, obviously, and we're a little biased. We hope to see that continue to evolve and more and more, not only agencies, but internal teams pick that up, both on the marketing and sales side. And I think uh, either unfortunately or one of the, maybe the silver linings of the last few months is that more groups are thinking about new ways to provide content in a valuable way. And usually that includes articles written by others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Totally. Totally. I, you know, most companies just have a social media platform right now, you right. know, and, and this is a challenge for you, right? You know, Hootsuite's been around, you know, even yeah. HubSpot has tools yeah. and, uh, you know, I can think of Octopus. I can think of Sprout Social. We used oh, to, yeah. you know, and we think of, uh, and, you know, for individuals, you know, Feedly, Buffer App, things like sure. that. So um, any place you can, put what they used to call RSS feeds and <laughs> things like that into um, of, you know, to keep your Twitter feed, whatever, all these tools are out there um, and they schedule, you know, and there's some analytics. Yeah. Um, tell me um, where you fit in and how you're unique. Yeah. So you know, what's interesting is almost all of the tools you mentioned, we have customers who are using up content and every one of those tools you mentioned with the exception of maybe Feedly, um, or Q or tools like that, which are more you know, direct competition for us. But when you look at Sprout Social or Octopost or Edgar or Hootsuite or HubSpot, you know, many of those, Hootsuite and HubSpot in particular, are strategic partners of ours. Because as you mentioned, you know, they do a really great job of letting you schedule and analyze the impact uh, and you know, make it look great and get it out to those networks. We don't do any of that. And we chose that strategically not to do any of that because there are already, as you mentioned, so many great tools distributing. And for each individual organization, a different tool may be best for them. That's not the best one for somebody else. And we didn't want to wag the dog, if you will, and say, well, if you're going to use third-party content from up content, you have to use up social scheduler and up email tool and have that be totally separate from your own email marketing tool that you're using or your own social media tool. And so instead we wanna actually feed in the content and integrate. One of the biggest challenges I think that organizations run into is that they have their social media person and that social media person is being charged with filling out the posting calendar, which means that they're personally going out and finding articles to fill the calendar. On the other side of the cubicle maybe is their email person who's also charged with finding articles to send out in an email. And those two don't ever talk to each other, right? Because they're doing it at different times a day and they're trying to schedule stuff out. Um, but when I look at original content, 
that's all created by maybe even a different team and then provided to both the email person and the social person at the same time. So there's coordination in how that's being distributed. We believe that curated content should have that same stage in the process. So the email and social and product team and sales team and content team should all be working together to find the great content and then let those other distribution teams look at that. And in a lot of cases, as you know, Paul, those distribution teams are all the same person, right? And they need to be able to find the content that they used for social and put it into their email easily as well. The one thing that we hate is copying and pasting, right? So you'll never see that as part of up content. We want to make sure that we're tying directly into those platforms. Um, right, right. When you look at some of the competitor technologies, many of those tools first ask you where you want them to go and look for content, right? So, hey, Paul, what are the, where are the feeds that you want me to go and find content in? Well, I like Forbes and I like Entrepreneur and I like Inc and blah, blah, blah. Well, what if Business to Community or Content Marketing Institute wrote a really great article about what you care about? And they really only write the great article about what you care about one in every 70 times. You don't want to see all 70 articles come through. Most of them are irrelevant to you, but that one right. is really great. Right. We focus first on the keywords. So we ask you what you want to read about first. And then we look at all of the sources that are out there, international in nature, and then bring you back all of the relevant articles. You can still hone and remove sources you don't like or even add full sources you do. But we believe that starting with what you care about and then giving you that information, not only is going to find you what you expected to see, but hopefully find you things that you didn't expect to see. And it's usually those that are going to get the greatest audience engagement because it's not what they expected to see either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, with all these tools out there, actually, you know, you brought up email and I think that's a, a reminder for people with content curation is that's an email strategy, whether you're going Absolutely. to, um, stay in front of your prospects through your nurture programs, whether it's um, your own blogs, podcasts, hint, or um, um, content curation and emails. Right. You know, you've seen these, like, you know, here's this week in digital marketing newsletter exactly. or something, right? And right. The, so you got to find really good articles for that as well and then share that out. So, yeah, so it, it's really a big picture as far as a content curation strategy and it represents your brand. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um, again, we're sharing other people. So everybody else out there who was, who's a really good thought leader, keep writing. We need it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so do salespeople actually. And then that brings up another topic, right? Is we mentioned that a little bit earlier about, you know, salespeople at home right now or, or even not, I mean, um, engaging with prospects who aren't ready to buy yet. Right. Mark, Mark you know, who owns the lead, right? Right. You know, like we always talk about is marketing communicating to them, but they don't have the relationship. They might have it early on as a name, but once they right. do a demo and not ready to buy or something like that, that they're in the pipeline, you know, that really should be shifting to the salesperson to do follow ups. How's it going? You know, right. I thought you might find this interesting. And uh, so, I, you know, you know, we talk about, with, you know, with our clients is about, you know, a content strategy for both sides. And, uh, and, and cadences and things like that, not to get in the weeds, but, right. but how do you see um, with your tool and, and your experience about marketing and sales yeah. um, and using your tool at the same time with possibly a different content strategy? Some might be the same, some might be different. 
Um, can you want to um, address that? Yeah, and this is, uh, I think this is the most quickly emerging trend. I think it's been talked about for a long time. Right? We've heard about employee advocacy, right? And that people want to connect with people and they don't want to connect with your brand anymore. And it's always, you're always going to get better results if I share the article as Scott versus sharing the article as up content on any social network, right? Because it's people connecting with people and that prompts that conversation. And so all of your frontline, if you will, team members, sales, customer success, whoever is talking to those customers or prospects, finding a way to provide a service to them so that they feel empowered to build their own personal brand and deepen those relationships that's still linked to the overall organization, I think is going to be the biggest trend that we're going to see over the next five years. We've been talking about it for the last five years, maybe more, it feels like. We've been implementing it for the last two, maybe three years. I think now we're going to start seeing that be more pervasive. Uh, and what's always been the struggle, right, is that salespeople are moving at a different pace than the marketing team. As you mentioned, marketing is able to build that strategy. They have cadences. They're certainly being reactive to what's happening, but they have this overall arc that they've really expertly developed of how they want people to move through the process. The sales group, they're out there in the field, right? They're talking to people, figuring out what this person wants, trying to get the assets that they need, to make sure that that conversation's happening. And they may not always be talking the company line, right? If I'm having a great sales conversation, Maybe I'm only talking about the actual solution 20% of the time, right? The rest of it's building that relationship. You know, where are you from? What's going on with you? How's this happening? How are the kids? All of that discussion is critical. And traditionally, I'm not getting that material from marketing. And so one of the cases where curation becomes most important and most valuable is from a digital selling not necessarily just social selling, right? Which is something that is being talked about a lot, but more of a yeah. digital sales process, meaning sure. I'm going to share great articles that have been curated, ideally curated by other members of my sales team or marketing has provided me this great set of content. I'm then picking the ones that I think are best for my LinkedIn profile that I can maybe even add my own thoughts to. And when I share that, driving that conversion back to my own email campaign, which is a great, micro conversion to connect social and email together so I can send out that weekly trends that's coming hopefully from my inbox because these are my relationships. And then I can look at those metrics as nurture campaigns more so than the nine touch process and then decide who actually is ready for the sales process and who I'm still building a relationship with. And so that we have a, a number of customers who have done, I think, a phenomenal job attaching the marketing curation and stepping behind and supporting the sales team and really seeing the sales group as the ones who are going out and activating those relationships and marketing is the supporting cast. And I don't mean that in a priority one, priority two way, but yeah. that the marketing group is really doing a phenomenal job getting sales what they need, which means not just what the company is writing. And that is a, a critical, I think, mental switch for a strategy that all organizations need to consider. You know, just a sidebar on that, we always talk about marketing and sales alignment anyway. Right. And tools like yours and sales enablement tools, which can use your process as well. But, right. um, you know, it's about integrating together because, you, you know, like if sales guys can get people or salespeople can get content from marketing, they might say, I'm not sharing this. <laughs> yeah, right. You, know? Right. you know, I don't think this is relevant for my peeps. You know, right. so I might just 
circle back or just, you know, have my own tool to, right. you know, to, to do that. Because what right. I think is relevant, you know, um, yeah. from a sales they have perspective. Their own, they have their own niche, right? Their own specialty of what they like talking about. Maybe they and, and the five others on the team are selling the same solution. I'm selling, I don't know, uh, ERP solutions, but my specialty is healthcare, right? And that's what I want to focus on. And that's the region that I want to work with. So I can still use the original content that's applicable to all five of us, but I'm not just going to share that stuff. I'm not just going to be the mouthpiece. And I think that's where we see a lot of these social selling employee advocacy efforts start to fall apart is because everybody gets excited that they're going to get this now serviced so they can build a great personal brand. Then they open it up and it's got, you know, up content blog, up content blog, up content press release, up content. Scott did this. Like I'm not, I'm not just sharing that stuff, right? What I want is that stuff plus what's happening in healthcare to showcase my expertise. And if you're not giving it to me, marketing group or company as a whole, your best performers are going to go out and try to do it themselves. And then you lose the strategy component because now you're having kind of ad hoc haphazard things happening. And that person may be successful, but he's not helping the other individual who's up and coming and the other individual who's great at supply chain. She's not being able to share her articles with the healthcare person and find that alignment. So now you've just got a wild west happening again. And then we fall back into the traditional marketing and sales friction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a word we use um, countless times is relevancy, right? Mm -hmm. And because uh, even with advertising and media, whatever channel it is, all you want people to do is pay attention right. to something, right? right. That, that, that is this article interesting to me that might, might contribute to solving a business problem, yes. right? Yeah. And uh, I think that's where the insights come in, you know, with, a salesperson or marketing, but read the article and share the insight with somebody. Um, but in summary, like we talked about this, but let's just do a summary of, um, in your view, is what makes the best content in your mm -hmm. view? Yeah. How would you summarize that? Yeah, I think um, I'd summarize it with milk, if that makes any sense. Probably not. Uh, but one of the things that I think when you think about content, you know how with with milk, there's vitamin D always added into it, right? That's artificially added in to the milk. And I never really understood why that was added in until more recently. I should have thought about this before. The reason that that's added in, it's been added in since like 1930, is to help with calcium absorption. Otherwise, you're just drinking it and you're not getting the benefit of the calcium that's in the milk. So you need vitamin D to help you do that. I think in terms of content, it's very similar, right? The goal is absorption, not just like, did I see this? I'm not just trying to get impressions, but I'm trying to get absorption to occur of the message that I'm trying to deliver. And your original content is really that calcium, right? That's the message that if I could get you to take away one thing, I'd want you to take away the insights that I'm providing in this piece of content, right? So it needs to be actionable. It needs to be relevant to my problems, as you had mentioned, even if I'm not gonna buy your solution, I still need to be able to get some sort of takeaway that's not just you're going to try to sell me something next. But to get me to the point of wanting to read that, particularly if I don't know who you are, I don't know who your brand is, I don't even know if you're right for me, I'm just in this discovery phase, I need third-party content to help reinforce and stimulate my understanding as to why I should read that article. The curated piece is that vitamin D side of things right? It's not the all-star. If I'm just giving you vitamin D, you're not going to absorb any calcium because you're not getting it from that. Mm -hmm. And if I just give you straight calcium, 
you're still not going to get the most out of it because you don't have any way to absorb it. You don't have any reason to absorb it. And so I think what makes good content is not focusing on creating as much of it as possible, which is the old, right, you know, way of doing it, but creating some really strong pieces that have those salient takeaways and utilizing content written by others to drive more traffic and understand what they should take away from that original piece. Well, you actually uh, bring up uh, another topic, you know, circling back a little bit to original content from a company, right? right? And not that we're talking about blogging, but Mm -hmm. still your own company's thought leadership, right? Right. You know, and back in the day, if you really big on SEO, right? And they say, well, you need variable content on site. So some people say you should publish every day. So we can't do that. (laughs) Right. But, but, you know, we're, you know, they might have a blog calendar, which is different from a content curation calendar, right? Right. You know, and so now we need our own topics, you know, and we could do content curation to get ideas for our own topics, right? Absolutely. And with the content curation, you can also link into them with your, as well, and things like, I mean, this, it's a whole different conversation. (laughs) But um, listen to podcast too on SEO, everybody, okay? That's right. So, uh, but anyway, um, what the point of the matter is, though, is, you know, again, it's, you know, Marketing and sales, original content, curated content, strategy for each side of things. You know, it's nice to sh- build the trust of a company, you know, with your own content. And um, But it may not be as relevant as other things you want to share. So I guess that is a kind of a challenge, I guess, is that original and curated content mix. And um, what are your thoughts on that kind of mix? I guess it, it varies, but um, any insight on that? Yeah, it does, it does vary. Um, I think some of the struggles that companies tend to face is that if I'm writing about, if my focus is warehouse management systems and I think about employing curation, then my first search is going to be warehouse management systems, right? And in many cases, your niche may be so narrow that you really are the best person to write about that niche. There really isn't a lot surrounding you to curate. That doesn't mean that curation is not going to work, though, right? So we, you know, we have customers who talk about, you know, they create O-rings for pipes, right? There's not a lot of great news stories out there every day talking about O-ring trends for pipes. Wait a minute, that's on my feed, so watch it. Okay, all right. So maybe you've got it all, all figured out. Uh, all right. But what all we right. usually then see for that group is, you know, your customers aren't buying O-rings just to, for the sake of buying O-rings, right? What's the application? What's the solution? What's the problem that they're looking for? Well, the problem is, you know, efficiency and throughput and productivity in their manufacturing organization or in the utility. Oh, well, that is a great curation topic, right? Because your company is likely not going to be writing about national utility trends that are happening. And even if you did, you probably aren't the most trusted source to be writing about that. Stick to what you know, write about that, and then surround it with those other trends because that's what gets your prospects to say, wow, these guys really get what I'm dealing with. There's a common thread here that we can then start to have a conversation from. So usually again on social, the recommendation is 50 to 75%. That's a pretty big range, right? Between 50 and 75. Uh, And so figuring out where you sit in that range is gonna depend on a lot of the factors that you're talking about. How much do I have to write? Do I have the resources to write it? Can I write in a way that my original pieces are salient and they're gonna be unique? Or am I just gonna be the next person to write another top 10 SEO trends article? That's gonna be exactly the same as everybody else's top 10 trends article. Don't do it if you're going to just copy or pretty much duplicate what others are doing. 
find your own area, regardless of how frequently you can do that, and then utilize third-party content to drive traffic to those original pieces so you can increase your conversions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, on the other hand, though, uh, we talked about the benefits of all the content curation and everything. I mean, you know, and the blogs, of course, bring you back to a website where you can possibly cross-sell, yeah. do, re do yeah. retargeting, right. um, have sidebars with a little promotional offer, right? right. So right. While, I, while I'm reading this, oh, they have a deal, or maybe I should do the trial or something mm -hmm. like that, right? That's right? So normally you don't get that with content curation. I know we have a little conduit there that might help a little bit, especially on yeah. the sales side, right? And right. not that I want to go too detailed in it, but you do have an integration with our tool called Snipply that right. um, can help fill that void as a test to see if, because um, I've used it, is, uh, you know, when people are reading third-party articles, if they're interested enough to click on it, they might get a message about your company. Do That's you want right. to explain that really quick? That's right. Yeah. So Snipply is a great partner, great company, uh, and you, you described it very well. So what, what happens is when you share a third-party article, you know, these are not licensed content pieces, right? You're not pretending like this article is yours. It's still a Forbes article. And we never want anyone to forget that it's a Forbes article, both from a fair use and copyright perspective, but I think more importantly, from a trust perspective. I get so livid and maybe even a more, more livid than most when I get to somebody's page on their website and I'm reading an article and then at the very bottom, you know, article originally published in Forbes, it's a tiny little link taking me back to Forbes. Like, well, everything I thought I was getting from you, I'm actually getting from somebody else. It, it seems like a bit of a, a bait and switch technique. Right. And so what, what we've done instead is allowed you to really have a true curation strategy. But as you had mentioned, well, as I'm reading that Forbes article, I received it from, from you. And so what is the best thing that I should do next? In a lot of cases on social, that next best thing, that greatest conversion is a micro conversion saying, if you liked these articles, sign up for our newsletter and get them in your inbox, right? Don't miss the next article that I'm sharing. You're like, wow, this guy shares great stuff. Sure, I'll sign up for that. Now I've captured your email address, which in many cases, if I just took you back to my website and had you read a blog, your next step is going to be to close that tab, right? Some, to your point, Paul, as we all know, will go and navigate to other places. Most will close the tab when they read the article if they make it through the full article. And so this gives another option to directly convert, but also to your point, if I'm doing retargeting campaigns, that click that I did to read that article can also put me into your custom audience so that you can retarget me with advertisement down the, down the road because you know that I'm going through a discovery process right now. If I clicked on that article to read it, I'm interested in that information. Give me a reason to come to your site. I think uh, this goes back to that kind of older adage, right? Of I need to only write my own stuff. That's all I'm sharing. And everyone has to come directly to my site as point one of the process. Well, 76% of people who come to your site are not going to do anything, no matter what you're offering them. They're just not ready for that yet. And so just getting someone to your site is not a win, right? Um, it's, it's an at-bat for you. But you want to get the person sure, it's exposure. Get ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, you know, for all these different tools and process, at the end of the day, from a high level perspective is, you know, 
how do we do this month? What's a report look like? Yeah. Right. Yep. So, uh, are we wasting our time doing this or right. like, yeah. Yeah. Is anything <laughs> happening? Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's the micro little detail of opens and clicks, like an email and things like that. Right. Um, you know, versus, uh, Hey, we got a prospect out of it or, or whatever. But in your view, um, what's the best metric um, from a high level perspective, C level that they want to see as a result of uh, up content, the content curation strategy yeah. in general? Yeah. I mean, I think the highest level, right, is leads, right? I want to know how many more leads did I get by using the content, the strategy that we've now employed. And that is measurable, right? I think historically it's been hard to measure that with curated content, right? Because I am sending you out to a third party site. And I don't know what happens after that, right? Forbes isn't giving me metrics to say, well, here's how many people from Forbes came back to your site in that visit. With that Snipply integration that we talked about, I can drive all of those URL variables back to that call to action. And then those are recaptured on your site so that I can actually attribute directly how many new conversions occurred from curated content across all of your different channels, social, email, et cetera. So I think leads is the most important. But as you know, right, having one taxonomer uh, about leads are up, leads are down, that's good to know. And then the next question is why? And what should I do more of? What should I do less of? So being able to truly capture that full process, clicks and impressions are still important as a indicator of at-bats, right? How much is that working? Well, so, it's, also, it's also branding too, by the that's way. That's right. You know, that's and, true. and that's some, you know, how you brand your company you know, versus the bottom line, right? Because you know how it is with social media. It's... Are, you know, it's not like it's a direct response generally. Right. That's so. right. That's right. I think that's an, and it's an important point to think about, particularly if you're just starting, right? You're not going to look at the leads number month one, right? You're just looking to see, is the machine starting to, to generate? Are you getting those impressions? Are you getting that exposure? Are people starting to move through that cycle? Certainly, though, at some point, we want to see traffic come back to the site and convert from it and leads and or impressions continuing to grow. So that's all important. Bounce rate is a very important metric that we often look at both on the third party content. So is the stuff I'm sharing important? Do people actually read it or do they just click it and like, never mind and leave that? Just like you can look at bounce rate on your site and then including curated content on your site is also a great way to decrease that bounce rate, get people to engage and experience the site more. Mm -hmm. um, so I think all of those together, you've got your top level, right? You've got your engagement and experience metrics on bounce rate and time on site and things like that. But ultimately, particularly on the sales side, they want to see leads and attribution of those leads. Curated content can now achieve all three of those things. And it's not this waving of arms halo conversation anymore uh, that we used to have to have maybe five years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. Well, nowadays in this environment though, you know, we mentioned before though, um, staying in front of your prospects with relevant content and uh, having a strategy to do that so that they pay attention, you know, and, and um, because you need to stay out there, you need to stay out there. Any other uh, best practices as far as this topic goes? Of I think, I think the biggest piece as well, uh, other than we, I think we've touched on a lot of really great ones. Um, I think one of the other tripping points, whether you're using up content or some other tool or just doing it via general Google, yeah. Yeah, is not to put it all on the shoulders of one person in your company, right? Most of the individuals in the organization, including yes, you executive team are reading really great content already. Just naturally you're finding stuff, you're reading stuff, you're getting in your inbox. 
make sure that that stuff gets to the team who's responsible for showcasing the insights and experience of your organization externally as well. I don't really care how. There's a lot of friction-free ways to make that happen, up content being one, hint. But making sure that after you've read a great article, don't just close that tab. Find a way to get it to the team who's responsible for distribution because there's nothing more engaging that builds a deeper relationship than being able to, as a marketing group or as a sales team, showcase what the leadership team is reading to your external audience. That's a little bit of a behind the scenes, you know, looking at the culture of the organization. That makes me want to engage, not just because of the article itself, but because it gives me greater context of how the leadership group is thinking. And it makes me feel closer to that team. Uh, so don't forget that. It's not, this is not just a marketing problem or a sales problem. Your product team has great insights. Your engineering team has great insights. HR has great insights of what they're reading. This is curated. And one of the benefits is you don't have to write it. So collect all of that and share it as a group out to your audience. It's going to give you a great understanding of what your audience cares about. And then as you had mentioned, Paul, you can take those metrics and then decide hey, maybe I should write about this topic because our audience seems really engaged and we've got a unique thing to share about it. Yeah, yeah, true. That's true. Well, um, your, your website and your tool, upcontent.com. Upcontent, just like it's pronounced. <laughs> Try to make it easy. Yeah, yeah. And check it out. I think you'll be uh, intrigued by it. I was. I still am. So um, think about what's going on in today's world and stay in front of your customers this is a cool way to do it scott thanks for joining me today thanks very much really enjoyed it yeah it's really interesting stuff here um and and your tool really uh solves a need so um i appreciate it thanks so much all right this is paul mosenson fix to convince marketing optimization um there'll be more podcasts thanks for listening and um have a great day thanks for listening Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.